0: What does it mean to actually practice and live your human design? Because that's the only way you are going to see meaningful change in your life. Otherwise it's just an intellectual exercise. And hey, I am all for the intellectual. I'm built that way, but that's not what human design is about. And so if you're one of these people who just keeps adding more knowledge. Without testing it in your life, you're missing the whole point. Welcome to The Art of Being Authentic, a podcast dedicated to supporting you in becoming the best version of you using human design, the gene keys, metaphysics, spirituality, and empowered positivity. We live in a world of competing expectations, desires, and demands, those of our true self and those of everyone else creating an endless tug-of-war until we learn to let go. That's my story anyway, and that's why I'm here, so you don't have to do it alone. So kick back, relax, and hang out with me. I'm really glad you're here. Hi. (laughs) It's been a while. I've missed you guys, and I've missed this uh, process of being able to reflect and just share the experience of human design and the gene keys. And last year, last year was a really, really, really big year of adding a lot of really valuable tools to my toolkit for being true to me. Again, this is to be authentic. And what's true for me isn't necessarily true for you. And as you live your human design, you realize the more you become aware of your decision making and the battle between your mind and your heart, and your heart is really speaking the language of your soul, and that's really where your higher intelligence is, that's where all the magic happens, when you start to become super aware of those energetic conflicts inside of you, that tug of war inside of you you are so much more powerful to be able to honor them. And so what happened with me after the last episode I recorded and published in November, right before Thanksgiving, of Tara Bach, I realized I I was done for that iteration of the podcast. I just felt that I had come to the end of something, and I didn't know when the next beginning would be, and these are some of the things that you, when you live your human design and you understand how you're built, these are some of the things that are kind of scary to navigate. So as a manifesting generator, for example, and most manifesting generators will relate to this, we often get... um I wouldn't go so far as to say bullied, but criticized for not finishing anything, right? For changing our minds, for being flaky. Well, that's part of the magic of being a manifesting generator. We are lit up by a wide variety of things. And when we're not allowed to be that, and when we feel pressured to be less than that, our light dies and so i have a whole history of being criticized for changing my mind for quote unquote not following through and sometimes it's in it's correct for me to follow through and sometimes it isn't sometimes i learn what i need to and i move on and that feels really foreign to people who don't understand how that energetic works but i guarantee most manifest most manifesting generators no <laughs> And they're probably saying, preach, (laughs) right? That's how we're built. And so I still feel trauma from that criticism in my life. And so, of course, when I get to this period of no more inspiration, I I had nothing I wanted to talk about, nothing I felt moved to share. And I've learned to be okay with that. I'm not going to show up just because I need to meet the social media requirements of being there every week, right? I can't do that. I'm not built that way. My personal integrity doesn't operate that way. If I'm not feeling it, I can't be here. I'm not going to subject you to the version of Stacy that's just showing up because she has to. I want you to experience the version of Stacy that shows up because she wants to, Okay. And, um, but still, even though I know all of that about how I'm built, I'm still a little scared because I didn't know if the podcast would come back. I had no assurance. All I knew was I'm not feeling anything anymore. And the good thing is, is it coincided with the holidays and there were very few downloads at Thanksgiving. I think that probably had something to do with my feeling okay to sort of go quiet, go into hibernation, go into early hibernation, right, before we set up the next iteration, if that's even going to happen. So I had no assurance of that. And I went onto LinkedIn and I started to really do more newsletter, long form writing, because I know that I have a different point of view around human design and the gene keys and energetics than that is currently out there. And I thought, you know, I want to start writing down some of these ideas and and thoughts just so that I have my collection and my point of view in one place. So I started to use LinkedIn for that. I also have my other business, which is storytelling and the art of smart storytelling. And I started to do a newsletter on LinkedIn for that. And so I've been in long form mode where I just wanted to put my ideas down in writing, because it was just what my soul needed to do, and again, I don't know why <laughs> my soul suddenly is saying, "Write this stuff down. I have no idea why. All I know is that part of me and my design was just really insistent. It was the loudest, energetic that was happening for me. so that's where I've been is writing writing stuff down, pursuing long form, even though it's against all of the rules of social media where people have the attention span of a gnat, and I can't operate in service of the attention span of a gnat. I'm not built that way. And this is one of the things that I love about human design is that it gives you permission to just be You. (laughs) <laughs> and I trust that the people who crave long-form will find me. I trust that the people who need that either for strategy in their work, for the storytelling that I do, and the strategic support that I do in the background for different leaders, that they'll find me. And that's what they want because it's the substance that, they're sh- that they are searching for. They're not searching for shortcuts. And in the same with human design. My approach to human design is, is long form most of the time. I want to share the behind the scenes, if you will, perspective on what it means to practice this. So that's what this episode is about, is what does it mean to actually practice and live your human design? Because that's the only way you are going to see meaningful change in your life. Otherwise, it's just an intellectual exercise. And hey, I am all for the intellectual. I'm built that way. I got that channel of logic and I love it. But that's not what human design is about. And so if you're one of these people who just keeps adding more knowledge without testing it in your life, you're missing the whole point. And that's what this episode is about. So as I was doing my long-form articles in LinkedIn, one of the articles that I wrote was about the three things that you can do to start living your human design right away that will bring meaningful change. And not meaningful change in an instant because this stuff takes practice. This is about understanding and feeling how you are built as a human being and making decisions that way, moving through life that way. And that's what I want to show you. I want to share how I've done it because maybe there's something in it that will be useful for you in the way you'll do it. So this episode is all about building your trust muscle. With human design. Now, when I think about human design, I think of human design as being the foundation for everything, okay? Everything. And I know this sounds dogmatic, and this is the only thing that I am dogmatic about because it's true. And, in the, and the reason why is because you cannot change it, it's based on your birth data. Your human design blueprint is immutable. It's like having brown eyes or blonde hair when you're born. Okay, you can wear corrective lenses. You can wear colored contact lenses, right? You can dye your hair. But that doesn't change the underlying structure for your energy and how it's designed to work. This is what I'm saying is this thing is immutable. So the more that you understand how it operates the more empowered you're going to be in every part of your life. It's your own personal circuit board. That's what it is. And so your blueprint in human design is obviously helpful for you to live your human design, to practice it and to live it. It's also useful for your gene keys because your gene keys are keyed off of your 64 gates of the human design. But I would also argue that it's essential in interpreting any questionnaire-based personality tests. And these are tests like the Enneagram or they're tests like your Myers-Briggs. Because what happens when you are taking tests to establish some point of view or some window into understanding yourself better, you're going through the thought processes of your mind. And what we need to remember is that your mind is actually not your friend. Your mind is never going to give you the whole truth for how to see yourself clearly because it's incapable. It is hooked up to your ego and it's hooked up to all of the old stories, right? It's there to filter out the perceived threats to your inner child. And so your mind isn't totally trustworthy for decisions about you, okay? The important decisions. What you're going to eat, maybe not so much, right? But who's the right partner for you? What's the right job for you? What's the right path for you? That's the stuff that you do not want to give authority to your head because your head is going to be operating in a defensive mode to minimize pain as opposed to maximize pleasure that's how it works. So I am not saying that the mind is bad. The mind has its place for inquiry and analysis, critical thinking, innovation, problem solving. I mean, I would be useless without my mind, right? It's how I make a living. So the mind has its place. And that's what human design is about, is recognizing how to keep the mind in its own domain, (laughs) right? How to not give it the authority over the most important parts of your life and your trajectory. So let me give you an example. The mind is there to help you run pros and cons for which job to take or whether or not this person seems like a good fit for you. But the final decision about whether or not the great job is aligned with your highest self, is the domain of your higher intelligence, the intelligence felt in the body. And in human design terms, this is what's called strategy and authority, okay? The problem, and this is where I go to human design world, and what I'm trying to do through my point of view is to not teach you about all the details of human design, there are so many people who are doing that already. What is missing is people helping you put it into practice, right? People sharing with you what it's like for them to live their human design sometimes or not, right? When they don't live it. And this is about making it accessible and practical for you so that you can start really living your best life one decision at a time. Because that's where your human design is going to take you when you're living in alignment with your blueprint, with the true you, with your soul's energetics. And so what happens when people enter the world of human design is the mind goes nuts, right? The mind gets super carried away and tells them that the mind has to know everything, right? The mind needs to know everything about everything in human design before we can start implementing it, right? Before we can start practicing. And this is just the mind's way of saying, I'm the boss. You got to listen to me. And it's not allowing your higher intelligence a voice, because once the mind starts ceding control to the higher intelligence, it dies, and it doesn't want that. Now, for some people diving in and knowing everything there is to know about human design, it's in their design. It's correct for them. And if you're following your strategy and authority and your authority, which is about your decision-making, is guiding you to know everything there is about human design, then absolutely do that. Some people with different profile lines are designed to do that. Profile line ones, I'm one of them. I'm a 4-1. We're the investigators of the world, right? We need to know every little detail of something right? That's how we're built. And the people who have profile lines that are one in your life, you you will see that pattern in them, that they just have this need to know everything about whatever the thing is that has captured their attention. But this is only for people where this is the right path for them, where their strategy and authority is telling them, yes, this is for you. This is how we operate. This is what We are inspired to work with. This is what we're inspired to do without knowing exactly where it's going to take us, but it's part of our journey. Now, what happens with something like human design, which is this really, really rich system, very, very deeply layered, right? All these different elements from uh, Eastern and Western traditions, very layered, very detailed. And so think about what happens when. In the case of human design, 70% of the population does not have defined head. And one of the pressures, and this is a a pressure center, right? A feeling and a pressure to have answers, to address all the questions. And so there's 70% of the people out there, and this is independent of profile lines and strategy and authority. It's just recognizing that there are a lot of people who are feeling this mm, incredible pressure to have to have the answers about human design. These people are vulnerable to feeling like the only way that they can have power over their own blueprint is to dive in and know everything there is to know about human design. And when human design comes into somebody's field where they don't yet know how to work with their open or undefined. Head energy that wants answers, right? They're, they don't know yet that just because there's pressure to have answers doesn't mean that they have to have answers. They only have to have answers around the questions that are theirs, not everyone else's. But if they don't know that, here comes human design, which is basically this, <laughs> this drug for the brain right? It's a lot of information. It's a distraction disguised as a solution if we are not watchful. There are layers and layers and layers of information to be learned over years and years and years. Lines, colors, tones, variable, the body graph, the mandala, the faces, the quarters, the godheads. It's never ending, okay? If you wait until you've ingested and internalized all of the data before you actually put it into practice, your life will be over. And that is not the point of human design. (laughs) There just isn't enough time to learn it all before you start practicing it. And that's what this is about. That's what this episode is about, is how do you make your human design a practice? How do you start using it, right, in ways that are low-risk, You don't have to tell anyone, you just get to start working it, working your design and see what happens. Observe, take notes, respond, recalibrate, and continue experimenting. So today's episode is about what to prioritize in your practice, your daily practice or your moment-to-moment practice. And I'm sharing the three things that have helped me the most as I made the transition from relying on my head to make my most important decisions, to relying on my body, which is really a proxy for my higher self, higher intelligence, because it's an awareness that is felt in the body. And this is totally new territory. I mean, we, we all know about gut instincts and, and that kind of thing. This is just much richer and deeper than that. And it's a moment-to-moment awareness This is the path to being authentic. And it's funny because yesterday, Tara and I were talking as I was sharing with her the new music for our intro and outro. And we're in the process of also doing a brand change from to be authentic to the art of being authentic. And part of what we're recognizing is authenticity is a practice. There is no arriving. It is a practice of becoming, always. There is no end. And sometimes we might be authentic in one moment, and 10 seconds later, we're not, because something has come up that has clouded our ability to be unfiltered. And what is authenticity if not unfiltered? And unedited and fresh and responsive and and grounded and troubled feeling vulnerable feeling strong feeling what have you whatever whatever it is so the three things that have made the most difference in my own practice is The first one, your energy type strategy and decision-making authority, and you will hear this everywhere. This is the brilliance of human design because you do not need to know anything else. You don't even need to do the other two things that I'm going to suggest later on this podcast. If you just know your energy type, your strategy, and your decision-making authority, and you follow it... (laughs) right? You don't ignore it. You actually follow it. This is the voice of your higher intelligence. This is what's guiding you to the potentialities that are imprinted in your blueprint when you came into this world. All of the greatness, all of the potential paths of greatness that are based in your blueprint, not something that you're pretending to be, okay? Not something someone else told you you had to be. No, based on who you were born to be, why you are here. Okay. Now, in my case, again, I'm a manifesting generator. Manifesting generators love to move fast. We do not like to waste time. And so, part of the way I've approached human design is I'm looking for all the shortcuts, not not the shortcuts that are bypassing important information or important signals to what's true for me, I'm talking about, okay, where where's the intelligence coming from? And how can I support that higher intelligence in a faster, more powerful way so that I can get to my destiny, which is the fullest expression of why I came here in the first place, right? That's what I'm here to do. That's what I want to be or become. I want to be on that path of becoming that more and more and get as close as I can to that before I die. That's really all I want to do. And human design is what has given me the clarity around my unique circuit board so that I can honor all of those different parts of it as I'm living one decision at a time. One moment at a time. And that's what I want to share with you, what has been working for me. So the first thing for you to do is know your energy type, strategy, and authority. Now, I find that these three concepts are very confusing because when you talk about one, discreetly, it invariably bumps into the other. I think about Einstein, I think he, there's a quote where he says, everything should be simple, but not too simple. And I love that because when you get into the domain of too simple, it becomes confusing again because your audience is starting to fill in the gaps. Okay? And this is what happens with human design, I think. So, you know, if you're a professional, absolutely, you need to know all the details. You need to know every single strategy, Authority and energy type. And you need to know all the mechanics of all of those. But this is just information overwhelm for somebody who just wants to know how they're built and what they need to do in order to live and practice their own design, right? You don't need to know all the layers. You don't need to know everyone else's strategy, energy type, and authority, right? All you need to know is your own. And In the end, they're really just 13 decision-making archetypes that combine energy type strategy and authority. And this is some thoughtware, if you will, that we're working on right now that we're going to put out so that people can have, again, a fast lane to just know how they're built and start practicing that. And just to clarify, the energy types being manifester, generator, manifesting generator, projector, and reflector. And the decision-making authorities being the solar plexus, the sacral, the spleen, the heart, the G or self, the environment, and lunar authority. There are only 13 combinations in the human design world. And we are building out those decision-making archetypes to make it easier for you to access those and just start putting them into play. Okay? So... You can bypass all of the confusing talk about strategy, type, authority, all of that. I feel like all of that jargon just gets in the freaking way. And it makes, again, it is distraction for the mind instead of a tool that you can just start to embody and use. So when you think about any of these archetypes, these decision-making archetypes, there's usually a two- or three-step process. And that's why it's so confusing. Because, for example, a manifesting generator versus a generator. So the generator feels that sacral pull, and that's enough. The manifesting generator, and I really have to credit another human design thought leader, Chetan Parkin, I'll put a link in the show notes, He talks about the manifesting generator, the clarity for their response to life, their sacral response, is in the gap. And I love this notion because to me, I have experienced it all my life. And for someone to have given it words and context was so helpful. And this is manifesting generators who we might have a sacral pull initially. So someone calls and invites you to dinner. And your initial reaction is, yeah, right? You have that sacral, yeah. But as you're going to get your jacket and go to the door, you're grabbing your keys and you're almost at the door, you're feeling, ugh, sacral just is not having it, right? Now, to be clear, well, actually, this is for sacral authority, but it may not be for the solar plexus authority for a manifesting generator. There's another step. So solar plexus manifesting generator and solar plexus authority for for either manifestor or projector, the solar plexus operates in waves. And depending on your waves, it's about getting information at the top of that wave or at the bottom of that wave. And it's only when your body starts to feel this sense of stillness where you have clarity and there's no more an emotional charge to, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. Or no, I really don't feel like it. Only when there's no longer a charge and there's just a calm clarity of, you know, I really feel like this is what's correct for me in this moment. Yes, I want to go out to dinner or I want to go to the movie or whatever that thing is. This is a small superficial example, but just to bring to life the dynamic of decision-making, right? That there is a process and the process is not through your mind. The process is through the feelings in your body. It's an embodied decision. So when you are practicing your decision-making, here's what I do that's super, super helpful. So one, you have to know how your decision-making... You have to know how your decision-making works. The second is start simple. Start with non-threatening choices. And I would encourage you to start with decisions about going to the movies or going out to dinner versus making dinner or what you're going to eat. I would start with simple things. I literally spent the first summer that I was learning to trust my sacral, I spent all summer, I'd wake up in the morning... I'd have a whole list of things that I wanted to complete that day, and then I would pause and I would get quiet, and I would ask my sacral, I would just feel into, what is what is it that we need to do today, that we want to do today, really? And always, nine times out of 10, it was, let's go pull weeds in the garden, right? Let's go prune the roses. Let's go whatever. But it was always about just being in the garden. And... It was a beautiful summer, but I really, really learned what my sacral felt like. These are non-threatening choices to be in the garden versus clean the house or whatever. These are very non-threatening. They're not going to change my life. And I highly recommend that you find some domain in your life where you feel like you can start practicing listening to your authority and build a relationship with it then i would keep a journal and so we have these wonderful forms but nobody works in longhand anymore and i've even found like life happens so fast and decisions happen so fast and it's just easier for me to keep a notes app open on my iphone that i add i keep track right this decision this is what i heard this is the decision this is what i decided to do here are the results and when you start to see a pattern of I followed my sacral, I did not follow my sacral, here's what happened, I did follow it, here's what happened, you start to build your trust muscle with your innate higher intelligence, your innate decision-making authority, which is a proxy for your higher intelligence that's actually connected to the worlds we cannot see. These are the worlds of manifestation. These are the world, worlds of spirit. These are worlds that we cannot see. That's what your higher intelligence is connecting you to, and that's probably also why it's really scary to trust it, because we have been trained to just trust this and 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 this. You know what we what we can see or or feel, but that's not where your truth is. That's not where your unique path is that's not where your fullest expression of your fullest potential is it's actually going to be in your body where you feel it in your body and and I'm just going to say this as an aside for those of you who are much more experienced in human design who might have environmental authority you might be a projector with environmental authority or you might be a reflector where you know it's called outer authority <laughs> which I hate that language because it starts to sound like you're taking everyone else's advice for what to do, and that's not what it means. It's still something that you're going to feel in your aura, in your body, what is true and correct for you. Okay? It's always about what it feels like in your body. It's your higher intelligence that is embodied. Okay? This is where the work is. Because if you do not know what response feels like as a generator or a manifesting generator, if you do not know what that feels like, you're lost. You are rudderless. If you do not know what invitation feels like as a projector, you are lost. You are rudderless. And that's the whole reason why we want to start to understand the parts of our higher intelligence that are connecting to us through our physical plane. And that's what this work is about. What does sacral feel like? What does a sacral response feel like? What does a solar plexus decision feel like? What does it feel like when I have that stillness? What does a splenic hit feel like as a decision-making authority after I feel the sensation of invitation or recognition, right? These are the kinds of things that you're practicing. And it is a practice. And it may take weeks, months, or years to fully trust that authority. And this is why I go back to what feels like dogma, but it really is not. It's truth. If you do not master your strategy and authority, nothing else matters. You will not get any further in your process. That is critical path. Nothing else matters. Knowing your channels, which are your gifts, doesn't matter. Knowing your profile lines doesn't matter. Knowing your your incarnation cross doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. If you do not know and practice and live, strategy and authority it's the groundwork it's like laying the foundation of a house. if that foundation does not exist if you're not connecting to that then there's no point in in putting up walls and windows and roof and all the rest of it there's no point because they're just going to crumble there's nothing there to support them and one of the things that I learned uh, two years ago when I had my first reading, And it was one of the really valuable pieces of uh, insight that I received from that was that I have this really powerful channel of logic, totally my mind. And what I learned was not that my logic was always in the way of my sacral, because there were decisions that I had made in my life that I knew when I went back and I did sort of a map of high-low, and I looked at significant decisions in my life. And I looked at what I was feeling when making those decisions. And I could go back, and I could find exactly those, that feeling. And I could find exactly what my mind was doing to rationalize and convince me that I should make a certain decision that wound up being a disaster, right? And my sacral knew, but my mind wouldn't let my sacral through. This is what happens. And what I learned was that I needed to be on alert because while some sacral decisions could get through that my mind approved of, not all the sacral decisions were getting through or not all the sacral impulses rather would get through because my mind would shut them down. We don't want to hear from that. (laughs) Yeah. And That's what I've been unlearning over the last two years is, and this is, again, this is only through awareness, and it's recognizing, is this coming from my mind or is this coming from my soul, from my heart, from my body, from my sacral? And that's the dialogue that I am in constantly, every day. So it's important to recognize that the human design rabbit hole (laughs) is just another distraction. It's a drug for the mind that wants to stay in charge of your important decisions if you let it. When you understand the proven power of your higher intelligence and you have those memories, you have those experiences, go back and make a map once you understand what your decision making authority and strategy are and how they operate. Go back and plot those out. And that's the first way that you're going to connect with your authority and your strategy. Okay? When you understand the proven power of your higher intelligence through your own experiences, your lived experiences, you realize that your mind is not your friend. It thinks it is. That's why we love it. It thinks it is, but it's not designed to be your friend because it's operating in defensive mode. It's defending you against the sads and the scaries of your childhood. And we all have scaries and we all have sads that we don't want to feel ever again. And they might actually be buried and locked away from us. So we don't understand why we're behaving in in ways that aren't leading to our greatest potential or success. And these are memories that are trapped in our psyche. And they're trapped in our ego until we go in and investigate and rewrite them over and over again. And that's important shadow work for another episode. Right now, I just want you to understand how the mind works in the context of human design. Your mind is here to distract and control you. And it doesn't have your best interest at heart because it's running on old, outdated tapes. The only way to get around it is through honoring your strategy and authority. So the second thing I want to share with you. So if you've gotten this far and, you know, once you've got the rhythm of your strategy and authority and you know the ins and outs of it, you know how it operates. The next thing that I recommend is that you look at your personality, sun and earth on your chart. I will also put a link in the show notes to the long form blog post that I put in LinkedIn. I now have it on the website. So I'll send you to our website so that you can actually see these diagrams because I used my own chart and I highlighted certain parts of my chart so that you can actually go figure out if you're new to human design, how to find your personality sun and earth. So the sun, the reason why the personality sun and earth are so important is that the sun is 70% of your energetic makeup. Okay, You have all of these other nuances and all of these other energetics in your chart, but your sun is 70%. You want to know what that shit is, right? You want to know what's there and you want to know how it operates. And so for me, my sun is gate 54 and it is the gate of ambition. It's all about rising up. It connects the root to the spleen. And it has this entrepreneurial quality that's there. It's a tribal channel. It's there to assert itself, to work with the tribe, but also push the tribe to, to new ways of doing things, right? And in my case of the 54th Gate, I also have the four line. And the way that this 54th gate manifests for me personally because of my four line is that it cannot operate in a selfish way. It cannot operate just to serve my own interests in rising up socioeconomically. It has to also serve the greater good. So it's not just about me rising up. It's about me empowering others to rise up. All right? So this is what's really interesting and where the gene keys come in. So when you know your sun sign, again, it's 70%. This is 70% of your makeup, all right? When you have that information, you need to recognize that where your energy is, is what's going to determine your magnetism, right? What it is that you're attracting into your life. And this is where gene keys become super, super empowering. And the gene keys, the way I think of them is, They are an energetic overlay on your human design. They prioritize certain gates over others, certain activations over others, in terms of their importance, their importance in your relationships, their importance in fulfilling your promise and your purpose, the importance of your money, your ability to make money. Okay? That's the pearl sequence. So with the sun gate, absolutely one should know what's driving that energetically? And in the gene keys, what you have are, it's like a dial, an energetic dial from shadow frequency, which is low, dense, dark, to city frequency, which is an enlightened state. And it's not something that you try to be, it's something that you become. And the path to getting to that lighter more magnetic, more elevated state is through the gift frequency. And so in my case, my sun gate of 54, ambition, it's all about rising up and taking others with me, right? Well, guess what? The shadow of that, this rising up, is greed. Greed isn't just about hoarding and it isn't just about taking and it isn't just about me first or mine, greed is about fear. And greed can be in things that aren't material. Greed can be about time, right? Don't waste my time, right? I only have so much time and I'm not going to share it with things that I don't, that I think are going to waste it instead of following strategy and authority and being open to things that don't seem like they have obvious merit. And so I have this shadow of greed. And the city is the energetic of ascension, of actually being above and beyond the material plane altogether. And the path, the gift frequency, is aspiration. Now, I can't just think my way to aspiration. It doesn't work that way. And this is why, again, like, all I can say is, When you're living your human design and gene keys, this is about embodied intelligence. This is not about analytics. Now, the analytics are helpful to navigate and to help understand, well, what's shadow, what's gift, what's city? But analyzing aspiration is not going to get me to the frequency of aspiration, okay? I need to find other ways to embody that. And this is where you get to make your practice very unique for you. And this is where I have a whole lot of tools that I use in addition to human design and the gene keys in order to shift my frequency because I can't get there through my mind. And that's another episode another time because there's just so much to cover in, in, in all of this. It seems like it's a small thing, but it's really giant. So I'm going to give you an example that I am stuck in right now. So uh, right now I am stuck in the shadow of greed. Again, this is my sun gate of ambition. This is my sun gate of rising up and taking others with me, right? And I am currently stuck in the shadow of greed. And intellectually, I know I'm stuck here, right? In my body, I know I'm stuck here. I feel it. And The scenario or the situation is this. I have two businesses. I have my storytelling business that... And both businesses I do with Tara, which you guys know about Tara. So I couldn't do anything without Tara. Like every day I am like this with Tara, okay? Because I can't... All my aspirations, all the ways that I want to make a difference in this world, I would not be able to do without Tara. And I'm deeply grateful every day for our amazing partnership on so many different levels. So anyway, we have our storytelling business, which is uh, the Art of Smart Storytelling. Our umbrella is Humanifesto Studios. And now we have the Art of Smart Storytelling and the Art of Being Authentic. And we love our storytelling business because the projects that come in are big projects, right? We love them. They're intellectually challenging. They're creatively challenging. And we love our clients that we work with. And we, we love to make a difference for them and their audiences. So we love that business. But my sequel right now, and this is part of why I think I've been on a break, is that I've really been just trying to feel my way into the next chapter of whatever I'm in right now, because I don't know. For me, my sacral now wants to get up and record a podcast. My sacral wants to work on the 13 decision-making archetypes, writing out that content, writing that point of view, working with Tara to create that, working with Kirby, who's our amazing illustrator, to design some quirky illustration that brings the essence of that to life, right? That's what I want to do. My sacral wants to do that. My mind is saying, but all the money is in storytelling. So I am in the middle of this dilemma and dynamic right now. I share this because this is what it means. This is what the art of being authentic is about. There is no arriving. Every new decision or every new chapter that life opens up for you is a new opportunity to discover a part of you, right? It's also an opportunity to discover how much trust you have in your strategy and authority. And so what's been going on with me, the inner dialogue with my mind, and it's sort of, you know, it's sort of, you know, in between the mind and the, and the soul, right? So what's going on, or, or the sacral which is a proxy for the soul, in my case, because I'm a sacral manifesting generator. So anyway, the dialogue that's going on is, well, you know, yeah, we can go ahead and, and go the sacral way, right? And be all in, like all in on the art of being authentic, on all that creative and all that content and just, just go all in 24-7 when we get a certain amount of money in our, in our bank account, right? Well, my sacral is saying to my mind, you know, my mind's trying to say, yeah, then we'll trust the sacral. Then we'll trust that sacral decision. And my sacral is saying, you know, you might be calling that trust, but that isn't faith. And this is the difference. So this is where I like to talk about that wonderful movie, Serendipity, with John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And just so everyone knows, it's, there's a spoiler alert, okay? So if you have not seen that movie and you still want to see it, then pause and jump ahead two minutes, okay? But the reason why I love that movie so much, and it really, really resonated deeply with me when I first saw it, is that the two characters meet... And they feel their strategy and authority. They know it, okay? And fate sort of separates them and they can't find each other. And they start to go the way of making reasonable, rational decisions for their lives. And this is the head, right? This is the head saying this partner seems... Correct for you. Here, do it. Date, get engaged, marry, right? Like, here's the path that makes the most sense, right? And yet, for each of these characters, there's something in them that says, I'm just not sure. I might love this person that I'm with, but I can't shake the feeling that I had for this. Other person I met in a moment. Like this is strategy and authority at play, and the not self of the mind telling you what it thinks is best for you. Okay. Now, the way this whole trust slash faith thing works is you don't get the thing. <gasps> If you don't have faith, it's not going to show up first for you to then have faith. You actually have to have the faith first. And every time I've made a sacral decision in my life out of faith in what that was telling me, that I don't I don't need the numbers, I don't need the rationale. I just know that this is right for me. I have excelled. And every time I let my mind talk me out of a sacral response that was saying, don't do this. Every time my mind, I let my mind talk me into doing it anyway failure, major failure that took me years to recover emotionally, financially. And this is what I'm trying to bring to life for you, is that this is, this is the scary part of following your strategy and authority, because you have to show your faith in following your strategy and authority without evidence of the result that decision is going to bring to you. And that's terrifying. I'm terrified right now of proving my faith to my sacral and saying, okay, we're all in. We're all in. Because for me to demonstrate faith in my sacral and where it's trying to take me right now, which is human design, gene keys, all in all the time, build this business, get it out there because people need it and people need this version of it. My mind is saying, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> right? The money comes from storytelling. You need the money from storytelling so you can finance all this stuff. Like the mind has this whole whole script, this whole process, this whole rationale. And for me to fully demonstrate faith in my sacral I actually have to detach from the idea that the money comes through storytelling. I have to detach from that idea. It doesn't mean I can't still do storytelling. It doesn't mean that I can't still do independent consulting. It doesn't mean that. It means I just need to detach from that being the way. On this material plane. And it's scary. So I just want you to see and understand and hear the very real dilemmas and dialogues and confusion that is natural for you to experience when you're in this process of learning to trust your higher intelligence. This is the way it works. And there's no clarity until you follow the process through and you follow it through again and again and again, and you start to see the patterns. Okay, so the third part of my shortcuts, okay, and again, this isn't about bypassing all the important stuff of your design, but it's basically saying if you want to get in the fast lane with your design. These are the three things that I I would recommend. So the third part of your design is your profile lines. And again, this... You can find this in the blog post that I will have in the show notes. It's by looking at the number after the decimal point in your personality sun, earth, and your design sun, earth. So the black and the red. and there are only 12 combinations of profile lines. And the way these profile lines are created is they're pulled from the, the hexagram lines of the I Ching. And the Chinese I Ching has each one of the hexagrams is six lines. And there are three lines at the top, which is called the upper trigram. And those are numbered six, five, four. And the lower trigram is three, two, one. And each of these has a different energetic to it, a different flavor. And the lower trigram is recognized as being much more inner and inward focused. Okay. So it's just much more insular. And the upper trigram is more outward focused, focusing in the world. Okay. Now, the reason why you want to know your profile lines is because they give you the way that you naturally operate and move in this world, in this life. They give you sort of your natural predisposition of how you show up. So let me give you three quick examples of how profile lines work, because I think that's the best way to bring those to life. So in my case, I'm a 4-1, and essentially what that means is 4-1 profiles, we're on a mission, (laughs) we're on our mission, and we're not meant to be pulled off of that. And we're also not here to convince others to follow it, right? We just have our thing that we are doing in life, throughout our life, and it can change over life. But it just, it's this feeling and sense of being on a mission. And in human design terms, it's called fixed fate, which I think feels very mean and very limiting and makes it sound like we have no free will. It's not about that. It's just recognizing that we have this inner drive and a path that we're on that we are going to pursue in whatever it is that we do. We're also bridge builders. And we build bridges between worlds and between people. We're natural at that. And we resonate best when the world is our friend, when we know the people that we're sharing our message with. And that's what's meant by the network of the four We also love to be experts on things. That's what the one is about. And we go deep in our search for truth, knowledge, and understanding. And then we share it where we feel the world is our friend, right? We're not here to just show up and campaign and convince people to come around to our way. That's just not how we're built. And we're very warm and welcoming, though, when you recognize something that resonates with you in our world and you want to participate. We love that. So I'm going to tell you another example. And this is with a friend of mine who is a 2.4 generator with Solar Plexus Authority. And uh, it's really funny. So this is a, a dear, 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 dear friend who I have known for more than 30 years, okay? 35 years. And so a year ago, they reached out because they felt the need to get a quote-unquote regular job and they were going to put their resume on LinkedIn. Now, this person is a former graphic designer, but they've been living the last couple decades, I think, maybe not that long, as an artist. They're an amazing painter, and they've been making a living selling their art quite happily, quite successfully. But with COVID, everything has slowed down. And so they were in the mode of getting things ready to put a CV, a resume on LinkedIn. And what's really funny is this friend reached out to share this with me just to let me know what was going on in their life and reflecting on some work we had done in the past and how awesome that was. And when I heard that they were getting ready to put their CV on LinkedIn, I said, no, stop. Just don't. So Because I have this undefined solar plexus, I'm really sensitive to the emotions of others. And I know that this is totally wrong for them. Totally wrong. I know in my bones, I can feel it, that this is totally wrong for them and they had been reticent about sharing their birth data with me to do their human design chart for over a year. I had been wanting to do their chart for over a year, and they just kept conveniently ignoring those text messages. And this is this is their way, and I, I, I understand that and applaud that and appreciate it. And it's also in their design, by the way, now that I know their design. So... I get this text message and I immediately respond and I say, give me your birth data now. We need to look at your human design chart because this does not feel right to me. Well, sure enough, their design is a 2-4 generator with solar plexus authority. And so in a nutshell, I'm just going to say what that means. The 2 is somebody ha- who has these very hermetic tendencies. A two is a person who's really good at something, really gifted at something, and really tunes out the rest of the world. They don't care about the rest of the world. They just want to do their own thing. This is this person painting. This is this generator with solar plexus authority in their studio painting all day. Okay? The four in the profile lines of the two four means uh, the best opportunities for you are going to happen through people you already know. Now this can be scary for somebody who's been out of the workforce for years, years, okay? And and definitely, definitely decades. It has been at least two decades since they were actively doing graphic design in the world. And the world has changed a lot since then, right? New tools, new language, new lingo, new everything. It's just a completely different world for a graphic designer to suddenly come into. And so I got their human design. I got them on the phone. I said, do not put a CV together. Do not do this. It is not the way you're built. It's going to suck your energy dry. It's, it's actually going to make you feel bad about yourself. You're not going to get a job by putting your CV up on LinkedIn. You're going to get your opportunity through your existing network. A week later, I don't even know if it was a week later. It might have just been four days or something like that. I get a text. That was it. I think a week later, I learned that 3 or 4 days after our conversation, first of all, they didn't put their CV up on LinkedIn. And this isn't bashing LinkedIn, but LinkedIn isn't for everybody. Like nothing is for everybody, right? Everyone has the tools that are going to work best for them. And this friend said that they were they were talking with another friend of ours. Again, note, it's a friend, it's in network. This friend was talking and learned that In that conversation, toward the end, the other friend had said, I'm not sure that you're interested in getting back into your graphic design chops world, et cetera, but if you are, we have an opportunity that just opened up. It is a year later, this friend is now the creative director at what is going to be a really, really prominent company in the future of electric vehicles and saving the world. And they are happy as a clam. And they're doing work that lights them up. They're doing it with people they love. And they're doing it where there was already existing trust and relationship and goodwill and goodness, right? There was no blind posting a resume process of jumping through hoops and not really knowing what's going on on the other side. This was all transparent. This is the power of human design. When you know how your profile lines work, you start to follow this different path, which aligns with your energy, with your frequency. And so one last one I want to share with you on the profile lines, there is a client that I work with both in storytelling and in the coaching with human design and the gene keys. And this person is a 5-2 manifester with solar plexus authority. And so the thing about the five. so we already learned about the 2s. The 2s are, you know, again, these are people who are very gifted at something. Often they don't realize what their gift is. They just, it, it's so native to them that they just do what they're doing and they don't realize that it's what they're doing so easily and effortlessly is actually a challenge for most people. So anyway, this friend who's a very, very successful business person is a 5'2". And the 5 is somebody who is... can very easily come into a room with strangers and sort of command it, right? They, They have this amazing energy, and that's compounded by the manifester energy of the voice, of just being able to command a room, right? But they also have this nature of being seen as a hero. So others project upon them, and this is all kind of unconscious, but others project onto them these heroic qualities, and they also see themselves as having these heroic capabilities of being able to save the day. Okay? So the thing is, with this manifestor client, this manifestor client often would walk in, and and these would be mostly in personal situations, they would save the day in a variety of different ways. And then they would be angry when the person who was the recipient on the other end of the heroism didn't honor or appreciate the heroism, the way they wanted, the way that would make them feel most valued. So again, this is a manifestor. And what we know about manifestors is when they are in their not self, they are not informing. And for manifestors to really be in their aligned decision-making, informing has to be part of that decision. And the way I think of informing is it's simply expectation setting. So if an heroic manifester is offering to save the day for someone in their world and they have any expectations about what happens after the saving, they need to be clear about that. They need to be clear about the expectations they have for how the other needs to show up, right? And this is what we have been working on And, and we've come up with ways where... There are certain situations where they've started to set expectations in advance of the heroism so that they no longer have to be attached to the other's demonstrations of gratitude or whatever the expectation was. And this has brought enormous relief to this person in their life before it was creating a lot of suffering because they felt underappreciated or unappreciated. And now they don't, they don't have to deal with that anymore. So this is what I'm getting at. When you know your profile lines and you know your tendencies that are unconscious until you make them conscious, right? You're going to keep repeating certain patterns that just, they just dim your light. And human design and the gene keys are all about lifting your light. That's what this work is about, lifting your light Lightening your load, elevating your energetic frequency, making you more magnetic, right? That's what this is about. So I just want to conclude. This is the takeaway. Human design is about energetic alignment with your soul's blueprint. Your energetic alignment is a battle between your head and your heart. Energetic alignment is about retraining the mind to support the higher intelligence of the soul. This is the intelligence that you feel in your body. This is what you need to know. And the three most powerful ways that I feel like, if you just practice these three things, I swear you're going to start to see change in your life, desired change in your life. But you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be disciplined. You have to follow through. You have to record and take notes and observe. This is the only way through. This is not an exercise for the mind, not an exercise for the mind at all. And so I don't want you to get lost in the minutia of all the layers of human design in the gene keys because you can. There is so much there and you can. Hey, if you plan on practicing this and sharing it with others, absolutely. If this feels correct for you with your strategy and authority, absolutely. But if you're doing it just so that you can feel like you've got command over the information and you can sound smart and you need this because it's the only way you're really going to trust yourself, that is your not-self trying to make you feel bad, right? Trying to trap you into a never-ending spin in the mind. It's never going to allow you to get into the body. And When you learn this stuff, when you start living this stuff, this is about getting into the body. It's about energetics. So, the three proven paths, at least for me, that are going to make the biggest difference as quickly as possible in your life are one, practicing and living your energy type strategy and authority, right? This is your soul's wayfinding mechanism about your decision making. The second is your sun, right? What is your sun gate? This is your dominant energy. Learn to recognize your shadow frequency and transmute it into gift, okay? Your profile lines are your true nature or style, how you flow through life. They provide clues into the best environments or ways of operating and engaging with life these are the most helpful practices for me anyway. These are what helps me build a trust muscle with my sacral. And as you already learned, I'm still working on that. And I will be working on it for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, right? However long I'm on this planet. But that's the fun of this, right? It's a never-ending process. And you just get better and better at following your higher intelligence, your embodied intelligence into a life of play. So I share these just as something for you to try in your own practice. You don't have to do them except for the first one. The first one is table stakes, right? It's your, it's how you ante up, right? Is your energy type strategy and authority. Like those, those are non negotiables. Everything else you do at your own pace, at your own time. But if you want to make massive strides forward in human design, in living your design, and seeing what happens in your life, how it changes in your relationships, your work, your happiness, your joy, I find these to be the ones that are most powerful. So remember, your way is the only way that will work for you. So go experiment. Go play. See you next week. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode insightful or inspiring, please share it with the people in your life who might benefit, people like you who are learning about or living their human design and gene keys to become their best, most authentic self. Remember, there is nobody else like you. There never has been and there never will be. You came into this world for a reason and a purpose that only you can fulfill, and your human design is the first step to remembering. For more information, head on over to to tobeauthentic.co.